This is the Hashtag One Fear podcast, where the fear of the Lord and passion for Scripture guide us to truth. With so many options to decide what truth is, looking to God in Scripture can often be ignored, misapplied, or denied altogether. Hashtag One Fear exists to bring God in Scripture first in the pursuit of truth in a well-thought manner. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. We have myself up here, Dominic, with my wife, Danielle. Hello. And Raylin is up here with us. Howdy, friends. You call them friends? They are you know my what friends. I was think You know what I was thinking the other day? What do we call our audience? Because like every podcast that I've ever listened to, oh, mm-hmm. they, ha- they actually name them. Oh, so yeah. I, I want to, you know, email us your ideas. Like that just, I forgot. I totally forgot about that. The two fears? <laughs> Instead of one fear, it's two fears. You're a whole bunch of two fears. <laughs> uh, yeah, so send us our, your ideas. <laughs> What's the email again? Con- you're going to email right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Contact at onefear.net. Go for it, Raylan. <laughs> we'll put it on the table, and we'll go through the chopping of uh, certain ideas for the names <laughs> excuse me yeah yeah that's right that's what i'm gonna do so anyway i i i keep forgetting every episode that we've been doing to mention what listeners can do on anchor did you know about this hun you told me about it yeah uh, about if you have even if you don't want to email and whether or not you listen to us on anchor uh you can still go to anchor and if you have a, an account i don't know if if you need an account or not because i've never really done it yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's kind of like a voicemail. You can leave us uh, comments and stuff like that on there. And if you would like, we can even uh, insert it into the next episode. So like if you have a comment or a question, you can just say it instead of us like reading your email or whatever it is. And uh, we can go from there. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Technology. On the worldwide interweb, it's, it's just amazing. Awesome. It is, yeah. Uh, so today's topic, though, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Torah and law. You ready to get into it? Let's get into it. Let's, Raylin, are you ready? Always. Are you you seem really? so ready. <laughs> Always, man. All right, I'm hyped. We're on fire. Let's go. Let's she's, do this. She's a Boy Scout. Really? Always prepared. Always prepared. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. All right, so for starters, I want to give a little background to why this topic of the Torah in the law, because I've seen for myself, from my own experience throughout many years in churches, that there has not been a lot of messages or sermons or anything or studies that had to do with whether or not the law, uh, meaning in the Old Testament, not like a jurisdiction law, you know, a judge and jury type thing, uh, that the law it found in the Old Testament, that it's good. And it's always been kind of on the side where it's not good because that means that we don't have freedom and Christ has given us freedom. 
And it's kind of confusing, especially when you get to verses such as 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, where it reads, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. Now, the way that Paul writes that, it's kind of like he's writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus at the time. And he, you know, Timothy is probably going to share a portion of this letter to the rest of the Ephesians uh, among his congregation, his, his group of people in that, in, that, uh, in that city and surrounding area. And this verse comes up, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. And it's kind of like Paul is saying, hey, it's safe to assume, everybody, it's safe to assume that the law is good. Like, that's common sense. Like, that's the common understanding of when it comes to the law. And he says it's good if one uses it properly. Now, there are many, many examples, and we're going to get into them, uh, especially with one that Jesus uh, it points out to some, uh, I think, Pharisees, that they were using the law improperly. Uh, so when it comes to the Torah, which we assume means law, uh, really the word Torah in the Hebrew is more a teaching, uh, a, a direction. And it's also, it could be translated as law. And it's also called the Pentateuch, which is actually the Greek word meaning five books. So the first five books of the Old Testament is the Pentateuch, the Torah, where that is the, the teaching. Now here comes Jesus, and he's on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Moses comes up, and Elijah, and they're having a chat with him. And, you know, long story short, the, this, the whole scene is that Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who rep represents the prophets, make this declaration that, you know, as the cloud speaks of Jesus being uh, the beloved son and that his disciples should listen to him, it's also this declaration that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So we get this automatic sense and, and other places throughout Scripture that since Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, then that therefore means a whole bunch of stuff, and most of it is not even accurate. All right, so for you two, what do you first think of when I, when I say something like the law, especially the Old Testament law? If you just say the Old Testament law, uh, if I pretended I didn't know what the New Testament says, <laughs> I would think of like... It's hard to pretend that. <laughs> yeah, but it, it would make me think of like Leviticus and all of the crazy amount of lists Yeah, of like things. the weird ones, like don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. Like yeah. that's... Uh, like like a, a, not a child kid, the baby... A, a goat. Goat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Raylan's eyes just went wide. <laughs> uh, so that must mean you're allowed what? to actually boil a kid in... Yes, that's what okay. that means. Um, no, that's not disclaimer. No. That so that, if you were just going to throw law in that way, but then after you said um, Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, is that what you said? Yeah. Um, that, I'm trying to think of how to explain it, would make it sound like he... If he's fulfilled it, then the law is 
within him, the law, I, I do not know if that sounds right, but like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if good. he's fulfilled it and it's say that is what it means that it is in him, he is full of it. He is full of the law. Um, Whoa, <laughs> calm down there. That if we are followers of Christ, then we are also followers of his law. That was a close one there, hon. You're like, Jesus is full of it. I know. The law. Sorry. The law. He, he's got it fulfilled. He's, he's good. Full of it. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts, Raylan? I got nothing on you, law. You like, got nothing. I got nothing. She follows no rules or laws or anything like that. Rules are made to be broken, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the, rest of the, <laughs> the rest of that verse in First uh, Timothy chapter 1, I'll reread 8 and uh, go through 11. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the un unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the second doctrine. The sacred, I'm sorry, to the sacred dot. <laughs> sorry, my mic is like blocking my one eye. All right, so, uh, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that confirms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. So here we are, like he lifts off a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, then he's like, and whatever else is contrary <laughs> to the sound doctrine. Uh, and here we are, maybe with the idea that the law, because Christ has fulfilled it, that it's kind of like obsolete. We can't fulfill the entire law, and Christ has done that for us, so therefore we don't have to do anything along those lines. But the truth is, is that the law not only reveals who Christ is and, and the whole idea that God has, but also how we should also live in light of Christ, uh, in light of who Christ is. All right, so another verse in Galatians chapter 5, and actually this is a whole bunch of verses, so I'm actually going to move my computer closer to me <laughs> so I can see the whole thing. Uh, Galatians 5, 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So we hear a verse like that, and it's like, well, we can't be free if we have to follow all these rules. We want to be able to uh, spread our wings and fly. Um, okay, maybe not that, but uh, we want to be able to do things without having to worry about breaking the rules because that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of anxiety. Like, you're always looking over your shoulder. Like, did I do something wrong? I mean, did you ever get that? You're driving down the road and all of a sudden this police officer is there, is behind you. They like just pull panic. out, and you're like, oh, no, was I going? <laughs> I know? panic every time. I panic yeah. when I pass one, and I go, I'm obeying every law. Why yeah. am I freaking out? <laughs> All right. Um, so you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, okay, here it is. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So again, we hear verses like that and we instantly think it's like, well, I'm being led by the spirit. So therefore I don't need to concern myself with the law or I don't have to follow those things or I don't have to uh, look into those types of um, parts of the Bible or anything like that. All right. And then verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And again, it's kind of like, there's a whole bunch of things I just listed off, but you know, things like that. <laughs> this is what Paul writes. Uh, he, and he writes, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. All right, so there's this big issue with Christians fighting among, among the, each other in uh, Galatia. So here he writes them, if you're living by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about whether or not you are breaking the law. Now, in Jewish understanding, the law was, if you broke the law, like that was, if you veered away from those teachings, that is, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to actually try to not use the word law and just go from, with teachings, all right? If you veered away from those teachings, then you would have to go through certain purification rites, and you might have to give a certain offering. You might have to do this. You might have to do that uh, in accordance to the teachings, so here he says, the fruits of the Spirit, and we all know the fruits of the Spirit. You know, that's, that's something that is plowed into every child's mind <laughs> when, they're, when they're a child in uh, children's church. And they're often referenced because it's the fruits of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance or patience, uh, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he, Paul writes right after that, against such things, there is no law, meaning that you don't need a set rule of doing those things. Like if you want to bring peace and a lot of peace and someone comes and is like, yo, you're doing too much. You need to follow the rules. That's absurd. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, hey, you're being too kind, all right? So calm down. All right, like there's no, there is no law against such things. Those are the things that you can do in great abundance. And I think that's what we get so confused about when it comes to the law. Like, oh, well, if we live by the Spirit, that means we don't have that freedom to do that kind of stuff. But no, what Paul is saying is that those are an indication that the, that the teachings 
are being fulfilled because you don't need a law to tell you how much to do these things, but you do need these teachings to tell you you do need to do them. Do you get the difference there? Yes. Yes, sorry. You, they can't see head your nod. head nodding. Head nod. <laughs> nodder. Nodder. We got a nodder. <laughs> it's from Cars. Cars. Uh, we'll have to watch oh, it later. Oh, I know it. Whenever he's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, tr the truck that. Yeah. yeah right. In the first one. Yeah. Yes. So another verse that Paul writes about is once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. Yes. What are your thoughts on that one? Because I, I know earlier when we were talking about it, you were like, huh? Well, I kind of want to read more than just the one verse. But my thought this time <laughs> is like the red button. <laughs> like before those things weren't maybe weren't even, they weren't seen as, as something bad or they weren't known to be a sin. But now that they are, it's like, oh. They're so enticing. I just want to push the red button, which I could be way off, but that's just kind of how I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Well, before that, like you were, you were saying, reading into a little bit more, this is uh, preceding that verse is the one where should I keep on? Uh, okay, I'll just read it. Uh, verse seven in, in chapter seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. All right, so th that just makes me wonder, like, do people just not want to go into the Old Testament and avoid the teachings and all of uh, the Torah, the yeah. historical accounts, the the narratives and everything, like the I prophets? We don't want that because we don't want to be aware of how sinful we really are. Well, I think what some of it is, is you hear law and you, you hear the things of like the purification rituals, all the kind of things that they had to do where you can look back there and the, th the reasons that you had to do these things are still valid, but we don't have to do those things to gain forgiveness and reconciliation anymore. Yeah. And, and most of those rights Christ did fulfill and we don't have to follow those. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we don't sacrifice animals. Yeah. You know, Christ was that final but sacrifice. But it, it doesn't mean that because it, Christ came that murder is not okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The laws and, are still there. Yeah. And and they are there to I, help us identify exactly why certain things are forbidden and why certain things are like what Paul wrote earlier in Galatians are the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the verses, the verses continue in, in, uh, I'm in Romans now, right? Yeah. Romans seven. Uh, <laughs> uh, where was I? All right. So I'll just verse seven. What shall I say then is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law for, I would not have known that coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive 
apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. Now, it's, it's kind of like it, he uses coveting as an example. And I'm going to use when you buy a new car as an example. When you, all of a sudden you buy this new car and all of a sudden everybody else on the road you notice has the same car. A lot like you'd never noticed it before you bought this brand new car. Did that ever happen? Yeah. And any listeners out there, yeah. <laughs> uh, any listeners out there that if you've ever had that experience or any other thing where it's kind of like you you notice this one thing and it's like become a part of your life and then all of a sudden you start seeing it like everywhere. Like Raylan works at Skechers and now everywhere she goes she knows the Skechers numbers. That's wow. It's true. Yeah, when we were at a live fest, you were like just numbering off. And I'm like, why are you spelling oh, out numbers? Oh, that's number seven eight six seven nine two. Was three, that a... three three four nine two is the one I brought home to Danielle today? Oh, that's so nice of you to bring three three four <laughs> wh- nine whatever two. nine two. Yeah. Olv was the color code Olv? for olive, so L L V. Oh. Mm-hmm. Making up names for the color codes is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call S M L T smelt. Smelt. <laughs> Wow, we got a little bit on a... (laughs) There are some abbreviations that are like, uh, how did you come to... Yeah. That was a fun tangent. It was a fun tangent. So let's get back on track here, if we can. Um, We can. Yeah. Talking about, okay, so you got a car. Oh, yeah. And now you're noticing. And now it's like, what Paul is saying is like, hey, when I understood, when I learned that coveting was bad that it was wrong, I was taught that. Yeah. Then I started realizing, oh, I'm I'm doing it in a few areas of my life here. Yeah. And that is the, I think, out of every and any reason that there could be out there as to why we avoid Old Testament and the understanding of Old Testament teaching, a.k.a. law, is because we don't want to be aware of certain areas of our life where we have pet sins. Well, that, and that kind of comes along with how we'll say Christians are the ones who are, who are under these commands. Like we shouldn't be going out and telling somebody who is not claiming to be a believer, a follower of Christ to do the same things. But I think that's why there are people out there who maybe I believe there's a Jesus, but I don't want to follow him because they realize there are these expectations. There are these things that are going to say that what they're doing is wrong and they don't want to live that way. Yeah. So it's, I, yeah, it is. It's like this, this awareness of, oh, I've been doing these things, but if you're not under the law, you, they're not considered sin to yeah. you. Verse 11 of the chapter in Romans 7, for sin, seizing, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me. <laughs> Hello, kitty. <laughs> that was loud. <laughs> Do you Darcy. Have some input? And we have another we have another guest up here. All right, so anyway, <laughs> I'm going to uh, start over there. For sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. So first thing I want to point out is uh, if Paul has been put to death, how is he writing this? <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, it's a little weird. Zombie apocalypse in the first century. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Hey, they happened. Just, 
<laughs> Things shook and people came back to life. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't consider them zombies, though. But, no, I would not. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Um, that's men another walking. podcast. Dead men walking. <laughs> when when uh, you're referring to Christ's death on the cross yes. at that moment. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, I don't think he... Obviously, he's not being literal. I think he's being figurative there that because he discovered that there were certain parts of his life that needed to be addressed. He wasn't going to be gentle about it because, well, let's put it this way. Christ's death wasn't a gentle thing. So therefore dealing with sin, we cannot be gentle. We have got to put it to death and put it back in the grave where it belongs. And that I, I believe is what Paul is getting at when he's talking about the law, like, Hey, now we've become aware of this. And I think I mentioned this in other, in other uh, podcast episodes that when we are aware of the extent of our sin in our life, then we can therefore more fully understand the depths and magnitude of what Christ has done for us on the cross and in his resurrection. It's an amazing thing. It is. <laughs> like, it just, it is. Like, I, like, well, I love that. It just puts a smile on my face, just knowing. Yeah. Me? Like, you love me <laughs> regardless, you know? I love that it says um, that the law is holy and righteous. Mm. And why is it holy? It's fulfilled in Jesus. Well, for st- that too, uh, but I was going to say, you know, it it came inspired by God, yeah, for man to write it down. And I think that if we, when we pull it apart like this, to really clarify that, um, because that, that is really all I can think is that when people don't like hearing law or saying it. We're saying, yeah, but that was all Old Testament. This is the New Testament. I, I don't, I guess I don't understand when I think about the Ten Commandments, who wants yeah. to negate them? Like, yeah. do we want to make murder and adultery and idolatry and stealing okay? Yeah. So that's why I think it's just more of, it was so like, there was definitely more to laws at that time, like you had the Ten Commandments, and I believe that that's more like what Jesus is saying is wrapped up in those two commands, versus there were so many other like things in their mm-hmm. day that were like, if you do this, you have to go out and do this ceremonial thing, those kind of things. And I'm thinking that people get drawn to that when they think Old Testament law, and it's overwhelming, and it's one of those we could never keep up with all of those things that you have to do. Yeah. But if you think of the Ten Commandments being wrapped up in in Jesus, like it makes sense. Like why would you want to live otherwise? Yeah. Amen. I just don't find anything wrong with it. Yeah. And now a permission to think moment. This week, based out of Philippians chapter four, verse eight, we are going to think about whatever is pure. Now the word pure is defined as innocent or without blame. And pure is a tough one because we love the idea or the outcome of pureness, but we do not like the process to pureness. First, being pure or innocent is often thought to be not guilty. 
So as long as we don't do the things that are wrong, we are therefore innocent. But being pure is a demeanor that is more than avoiding doing wrong. So that brings up the question of not what have you not done, but what have you been doing? It is in our demeanor of what we do, what we practice actively doing, that proves our innocence and exemplifies what it means to be pure. Second, regardless of how intentional and good we are at practicing being pure, we are still given blame for things. Christians are frequently under attack and called guilty for various reasons. This is one of the reasons we are called to be pure. Third, there is something important to remember about pureness, that things become pure after going through testing, trials, or fire. Proverbs 28.1 reads, The wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. The word righteous in Hebrew also implies innocence. The wicked might be one of those trials. They will flee and let them because that is what culminates into pureness. In the meanwhile, the church needs to rally together to walk together through these purifying processes. In other words, disciple. What does that look like? I think of clean water, pure, crisp water, especially after a few hours of soccer or a long run. It soothes, quenches, and is the most healthy thing to drink. But if it isn't pure water, it can be hurtful, more damaging than helpful. So part of discipleship is reflecting someone who is like that pure water, that they soothe, quench, and are healthy for you as you go through these purifying processes. Last, God has a purity to him that is unmatched and yet is still a marker to aim for. So this week, think about what God has done in our personal lives to purify us. Think about how God has been making us pure. Ask yourself, am I trusting God as I go through the purifying process every day? Also ask yourself, who can I walk with through purifying processes? So this week, think about whatever is pure. So everything that we've actually talked about, um, it actually has a word for it, uh, like kind of negating uh, the Torah and and all that. Uh, well, the word supersessionism is the belief that the church replaces Israel. All right. So first of all, that and in tow with that, it's kind of like, well, the law has been taken care of and we don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, in, a, in a sense, it kind of negates it and uh, therefore making covenant no longer viable either. So all this, all this stuff that has to do with the Old Testament and all the covenants and everything that, that God had made with his people, uh, that no longer is relevant, basically, because the church has replaced Israel. Uh, but the, the truth is, Christ did not... Re, uh, the church was not the replacement for Israel. It's just that Christ did fulfill that law. Now... Jesus, I, I got to get to this uh, one scene here in Matthew 23, because when you get to Matthew 23, it's there, it's pretty hardcore with how Jesus is just laying down these teachings. Uh, in other words, he's laying the law down. <laughs> he's laying, down the he, law. laying it down. He's, he's teaching these things. And one of the things he teaches is, wo uh, these are all the woes, okay? Whoa. So woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 
All right. So in other words, they started using the law to avoid doing other things such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And that's something that has been passed down from generation after generation. And you would catch on to that if you go back into the Old Testament and see why these teachings had to be uh, expounded on and really just continuously taught over and over and over again. At one point in history, they completely lost it until one day they're like, whoa, hey, what's this, what's this document here? And they start reading it, and what's the reaction? Oh, wow, we need to go into mourning and praise God. Like, we, we need to realign our, what we've been doing as a nation and as a people. All right, so here's, here's Jesus telling these, uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, calling them hypocrites. Uh, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. All right, so the law, more important matters of the law included justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And, and that's straight from Jesus. Like We need to understand these teachings, what they are for, for more application of scripture, I guess you could say. All right, so what are takeaways? some takeaways that you guys, since Raylan, you haven't talked much. You've been because listening. Because I'm like. Listening. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have a takeaway from this? Do you have a takeaway? I got to read the Bible more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, for, you heard it firsthand. <laughs> how about on this particular topic? Uh, that's what I mean on this topic get more familiar with the obscure verses that no one are can in see pointing what he said what i'm saying yeah, yeah. just familiarize myself more with what the bible says so i can be able to discuss more about this stuff because mm. it's really interesting <laughs> <laughs> my takeaways yeah i feel like i've kind of already said them but that the law is not bad, um, if you think of it in modern terms. Hopefully you think that stop signs and stoplights are a good thing, and the law is enacted when somebody you know, goes through one and plows into another car. Yeah, um, and, and those are more jurisdiction laws. Yeah, but, but I'm still it, just as, thinking there yeah. are laws in place for reasons, and this law is... Yeah. Things such as things that will not cause harm to other people and be yeah. against God. Well, I want I want to be clear, though, about these teachings, though, especially the one uh, from Galatians, that the law aren't really necessarily borderlines, like the two yellow lines in the road. If you cross it, bad things can happen. Uh, it's more hey, now that you're aware of certain things, be on, first of all, be on your guard, and second of all, live by the Spirit because you don't need the law to tell you that it's okay to do things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Go ahead. I'm going back. <laughs> um, I'm glad that's your point. My point is that I think, as Paul said, all of a sudden, it almost seemed like all of a sudden, I'm now under the law and all of these things have now become aware. He's now become aware of. I think that it can be dangerous if we try to make the claims that the law isn't there. Like we don't, we don't need the law. We're not under the law because we're in the new Testament. And I, and I think that that gives, um, those sins a place to really take root in you because if you're, you're not aware of these things or you're denying that the law is still a thing. You know what I mean? Like Paul became aware because it was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, these things I've been doing, they're sin. But if we sit here and go, no, but that's not for us now. Yeah. That, that doesn't make it go away. It just means we're denying something that's there. Yeah. I, I guess in summary, like, I don't think we're in disagreement. No, we no. just have different. I think it, yeah but i think it's like you can't have one without the other yeah you know because like if you are going to stop doing something what should you be doing you know and and that's and i think this is what the the whole summary of this whole topic is is that if you know we're we're talking about these teachings uh, if the teaching is for you to stop something it's there's probably something somewhere that should be telling you to do something in place of that I mean, there's like, there's the opposites to all of pretty much everything. <laughs> I mean, don't we say like the opposite of love is actually fear? Yeah. Things like that. So yeah, don't, yeah. don't just empty yourself of <laughs> things, then fill it with something good. Yeah. Uh, my takeaway. Uh, don't use scripture as an excuse to justify avoiding doing justice and doing mercy and doing faithfulness and whatever else the Bible tells you that you should be doing that you're not. You know, I, I think it's been very abused, especially in nowadays, where anybody can just say this verse means that for me, so that's how I'm going to live. And they try to justify it. And, and really, that's not in Scripture anywhere where that's okay. You know, it's, you know, the teachings were there, and we would not be informed by, uh, uh, we wouldn't be informed of anything about who Christ is and what God has done for us if, it, if these teachings were not there. And I think it, we need to handle Scripture with a lot better respect in that in that aspect because we can't take things out of context because then what are we doing? We're taking God out of context. And I, I, I don't think he likes that. <laughs> I mean, the, the language that Jesus is, you, is using in Matthew 23, woe to you teachers, uh, you hypocrites. And actually, let me pull up the other, the whole chapter. Uh, where is it? He ends up calling them little Satans, <laughs> blind guides. Uh, where is it? You snakes. Yeah. That, like 
you brood, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Uh, and then earlier in the chapter, he, he says, uh, woe to you teachers of law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are like, that's not gentle language. That's pretty rough. And I think a lot of people might even say that's pretty hostile. Like, that's Jesus? You know, and he's calling the elite leaders of their religion uh, at the time these things. He's labeling them. He's calling them out to be these things. And I, I, I got to wonder, with how we approach Scripture uh, and accepting the teachings that are found not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament, how God would look at us with how we might approach Scripture that way. Yeah, or however we are, I should say. Yeah. So that, that's my takeaway. Good. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps up this here episode. And you listeners out there, whatever we may call you, <laughs> give us give us ideas of names of what to call you. Uh, but get on to Anchor, and if you want to try that out and give us some messages or email us at contact at onefear.net or visit our website at onefear.net or Instagram or our Facebook group. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the Instagram is onefear3, I believe. Yes. Something like that. Three firsts. Three firsts. I'm sorry. It's just kind of funny that it's one fear and one then fear, three. Right. Well, it's it's annoying that like most usernames, you cannot include the hashtag because that's like, it tags things. So you can't, yeah. yeah. Uh, but oh, well, we're still relves. Totally. All right. And rate and review if you can, please. And per the usual, dear listeners, live, live such, such good, good lives. lives. Live such good lives. <laughs> A little delay there. <laughs>